The reading is from Matthew 8, 28 to 34. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The, de- the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran away, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Well, thank you for reading, and it's nice to be back with you. Thank you for coming. Uh, I saw a newspaper newspaper article this week um, with the title... Is ISIS the ultimate evil? It went on to say that ISIS was evil, barbaric and uh, murderous, but made the point you can look back in history and see even worse. Pol Pot, Idi Amin, Hitler, people, etc. People who um, are hard to describe without using the word evil. Now, last week in Matthew's Gospel, we were thinking about natural disasters, a world gone wrong in that way. This week, we're thinking about an even more ugly part of our world, evil. And most of all, the answer to evil in Jesus Christ. Let's start with that first, um, the first verse, 28. When he arrived at the other side of the, re- of the region of the uh, Gerasenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs, met him. Now, we've got a problem here straight away, uh, because for us in the West, the idea of demon possession um, is simply laughable. Um, it conjures up images of the omen. Do you remember that film? With da- Damien as the devil child. And the whole thing is so melodramatic, it's a bit of a joke. In fact, some people say um, that these two men were suffering from epilepsy. And so Matthew mistakenly says they were demon-possessed. Actually, in chapter 4 of Matthew, he distinguishes between epilepsy and demon possession. So he knows the difference, and he takes demons seriously. More than that, Jesus takes them seriously. When the demons speak, Jesus doesn't say to them, or say to them, the men you have a psychiatric complaint I need to heal. He speaks to them as demons. So although it goes against our culture, we should take demons or the devil seriously. And in particular, I want us to see that it is the devil's aim to destroy us. We see that in these two men. They've they've lost all self-control and rationality. They are... Uh, their humanity, if you like, is being destroyed. We are told they are very fierce, they are violent, no one could pass that way. They're very destructive to other people. We see that, most of all, in their desire to kill. 
They live among the tombs, a place of death. And then we see it with the pigs. Um, they are cast into the pigs, they kill them, showing that's what they're about. They want to kill. Most of all, they want to kill our relationship with God. That's the devil's aim, to destroy us as humans, to destroy our relationships with each other, and most of all, to destroy our relationship with God. Now, having said that, I want to go a bit further and say that's what the devil is seeking to do in us today. In fact, I want to suggest that these men here um, are an extreme form of all of us left to ourselves. Now, I imagine we find that hard to believe. I don't imagine we read about the demon-possessed men, got to the end of verse 28, and said, oh yes, yes, that sounds just like my day. That's me. But recently I came across an interview with a chap called Peter Cundall. He was involved in guarding the SS officers who had worked in German concentration camps uh, during the Second World War. He was asked whether he saw these guards as monsters or men. He replied, oh, they could have been you or me. Don't forget it's possible to do the same with Australians or British or Americans. That's what we saw at Abu Ghraib in Iraq. The interviewer says it's a big call to say that what the SS guards did could equally happen here. He replies, what I'm saying is you could do that with any human if they were given enough power. He's saying that we're essentially the same. What you saw in the SS guards, what you saw in Abu Ghraib, we all have that in seed form, if you like. Those people had it in full flower. It blossomed because of the power they were given. But we've all got it. And that's our passage. In these men, we see the work of the devil in full flower, if you like, blossomed, unrestrained, fully grown. Destruction. But it's in all of us in seed form. Remember I said the devil wants to destroy us. We see around us people doing things which are destructive to themselves. It might be the obvious things of alcohol or drugs or whatever. It might be more hidden things, critical thoughts. Lack of discipline, no self-control. Destructive ways of behaving and thinking. We can be destructive to others. Um, uh, instinctively we can think, I'm in charge. If you think you're in charge, that means when we meet, we fight. It comes very instinctively to us. I remember when my son was a toddler, we walked into church, and there was a little girl about half his size, um, standing by the chairs uh, in the corner, doing nothing to him. And he walked up to her, and he just went, bosh. Now, I didn't teach him to do that, okay? I, I had nothing to do with it. It came to him instinctively. Obviously, as we grow up, we learn to control these instincts. We don't use our fists. But we learn more subtle forms of fighting and control and getting our way. And most of all, we instinctively reject God. And left to ourselves, would, would be cut off from him. And that is the ultimate destruction. Remember, most of the time, this is in seed form. 
It's very subtle, it's hidden. In these men, we see the work of the devil in full flower, fully grown, and see it for what it is, evil and destructive. Now having said that, let's, let's go on. I want you to see that Jesus is the future judge of evil. Verse 29. The demons say, what do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Now notice that question. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? In other words, they're expecting a time. They're expecting a future time, an appointed time, when they will be judged by Jesus. The Bible's clear, Jesus will return in the future and he will put this world right as he judges and destroys all evil. And that's what the demons are referring to, that future day. So they ask, what are you you doing here now? We know you're coming, but why have you turned up early? Well, one reason he's turned up early is because he's giving a demonstration of the future. To say one day Jesus will return to this world and will destroy all evil and put the world right is a big thing to say. It's a lot to believe. And so here Jesus gives us a picture of it. Here he gives us a a sort of worked example of the day when he will speak and evil will be destroyed. It's a bit like last week, we were here, we, we looked at Jesus calming the storm, and we said it's like a show home, a sort of little picture of the future, perfect world he will create. Same here, we can look at this and see, be sure, be confident, one day Jesus will speak and destroy all evil. He's the future judge of evil. But there's another answer to why Jesus has come early. He's not just demonstrating he's the future judge. He's also showing he's the present rescuer. These two men, left to themselves, um, are captured by evil and they will be destroyed when Jesus returns. They're on the side of evil. But he comes early and here rescues them from evil. So that in the future they wouldn't be judged, but they could be part of his perfect world. Now, I want to try and illustrate this, um, but I'm afraid I can only think of a very contrived and extremely unrealistic um, illustration. So please um, suspend all critical faculties and um, be very generous to me um, and, and forgive me, please. You'll get the idea, though. Imagine a company um, accused of gross negligence. You can probably think of some, of some examples. Um, a court date is set, the judge is announced, everyone prepares for the trial. Then one day the judge walks into the accused company's head office. And people look up from their desk and see him and think, what's he doing here? The trial's months away. What's he doing here now? Then the judge spreads out his papers, showing the evidence he's got. It's obvious that the company is guilty and it's going to end. And then he says, if you leave this firm today and come with me, 
then when we get to court, you'll have nothing to face. You won't even be in the dock. You'll be with me. Now, as I say, hopelessly unrealistic and contrived, I'm afraid, but that gives us perhaps a sense of what's happening here. Jesus is the judge of the world. There is an appointed time he's going to judge the world in the future. But he comes early. What are you doing here early? Why have you come? The the demons ask. Answer one, to show us who's going to win. He's demonstrating he is the true judge and he will destroy evil. But more than that, answer two, he's come early to rescue people. Come and join me, he's saying. So that on that future day, you won't even be in the dock. You'll be with me. I'm part of my new world. I want to finish with a, with a, with a question. What do we really value? Evil or Jesus? Slightly strange question, you might think, but look at verse 33. Then those tending the pigs ran off and went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him. How would you finish that sentence? How would you expect it to finish? They pleaded with him to stay, so they could thank him for freeing these men from the grip of evil. They begged him to rescue them from the evil that was in their lives. No. When they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave. Jesus, please go away and leave us alone. Now, why do they say that? Well, the simple reason is the pigs. There are a lot of pigs, they were worth a lot of money, and they get destroyed. So on the one hand, you've got two guys rescued from the grip of evil, and on the other hand, you've got a lot of pigs. And for these people, pigs are more important than people. It's the same today, in a very simplistic example, as the message of Jesus spread throughout London, and um, uh, the, the drug dealers were out of a job, and lap dancing clubs closed, and binge drinking stopped. I would think that owners of clubs and pubs would want to say, metaphorically, Jesus, go away. Stop mucking things up for us. But I think it's a bit broader than just money, I think. I think these people, they heard what had happened to the men. And they realised that having Jesus around would mean change. They must have thought to themselves, crikey, if he's done that to them, he's turned their lives around like that, what's he going to do to me? So they say, Jesus, push off with you. Because they're happy as they are. 
They're happy with the world as it is. They're happy with evil. I don't mean evil as in a terrible, destructive, barbarous thing, but evil, not God. I heard the other day of a, of a young man who heard the Christian message. He said afterwards, I can't find anything wrong with the reasons for that or the evidence for that, but I'm not going to do anything about it because I want to carry on sleeping with my girlfriend. It, it doesn't have to be something like that. It could have been, I want to carry on pursuing my career. Most of all, I want to carry on trying to make lots of money. I want to carry on uh, being proud. Whatever it is, whatever, not God. Jesus, go away, he said, effectively. And it's a challenge to all of us. What do we value more? Not God, evil, or Jesus? Are we in danger of saying to Jesus about a certain part of our life, a certain area, a certain subject, Jesus, please leave. I like it the way it is. Let's see evil for what it is. Destroying us and destroying others. Let's be certain there is a judge of evil. One day it will be destroyed. And let's go to Jesus for rescue as we value him more than anything else. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this incident in Jesus' life. Thank you for showing us the reality of evil in our world. We pray we see it for what it is. And we would thank you for Jesus, the one who rescues us now. In his name. Amen.